All right, well, let's, uh, let's get started. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them to John chapter 15. We'll read that verse, a verse out of that chapter in a little bit. Uh, we had an amazing night last night uh, at the building with the vision meeting, and who's excited to hear an update on that? Yeah, I'm going to tell you after I preach, so <laughs> I'm glad you're excited, though. Um, I, I had uh, uh, quite a bit of feedback, people, uh, just a number of conversations, good conversations last week, people asking me um, just about the dynamic of, you know, how I, 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 I shared, you know, God didn't tell me to start Riverhouse, I brought the idea to him, people asking me and uh, wanted to know more, and, and uh, out of that, Lord started speaking, and so I want to um, speak tonight a message um, on the will and the nature of the will, and hopefully help us position to understand uh, this gift of a will that God has given us, which is, uh, it's where we make decisions and the, you know, the human will, the willpower to use this very beautiful gift and a powerful gift uh, that God has given us. And when we learn to use this according to his wisdom, uh, it actually results in extraordinarily uh, powerful uh, things taking place. And so uh, I want to talk about the will and particularly decision making and how uh, how God has designed this thing he's put within us to work. So I'm going to pray and then that's, uh, that's what I'm going to talk about. And then uh, after the message, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have an update on, on the building because I know there's a lot of people anticipating that. So Lord, I thank you for this season of our family, God, that what you're doing in Riverhouse, Lord, and and that you are just brooding over the waters of this church and speaking and creating. I thank you, God, that you are uh, accomplishing more than we can even know in these days right before our eyes. And I bless you and I ask that your word, God, will minister to us powerfully and that you will continue propelling us forward onto this mission that you've called us to as a people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I, I want to talk about the will. Uh, you know, the will, uh, we know there's great uh, power in the will. Uh, we see examples of this in, uh, like, survival stories. Uh, probably my favorite survival story is uh, Ernest Shackleton and the Endurance. Have you, anybody? Raise your hand. It's like the, you should, if you haven't, read the book. Um, it's about a, an Antarctic expedition um, and just incredible willpower that this man exuded in leading his crew through some of the most... Uh, tumultuous experiences that I've ever heard of. It made me cold just reading the book next to a fire with wool socks on. Uh, you know, we see the examples of human willpower and athletics and performance and the arts. Really in anything, there is this ability that human beings have to decide and to set their minds and to, to choose, to make a decision um, you know, and to press through despite odds and difficulties and sacrifice, whatever it is. There's great power in the will. And in Christianity, uh, there's actually a bit of a conflict around the will. And I think sometimes uh, we can get um, incomplete understanding of what this is supposed to be and how do I now use this thing um, now that I've come under the influence of the leadership of Jesus Christ. And, you know, Jesus uh, clearly models, and I think we would all agree that there is this sense to where the will actually gets surrendered uh, when we become Christians. It's not my will, but 
your will be done, right? So there is this conflict around the will, and Jesus clearly demonstrates, probably most pointedly in Gethsemane, it is not my will. It is the will of the Father that is to be done. And so the will, the human will, does have to be broken like a wild horse before the lordship of Jesus. Um, But I do not believe that is to diminish the power of the will, but I actually think God's desire is to so transform our will from a fallen sinful state that it can actually come into alignment with its intended purpose, which is a synergistic union with the Spirit of God, so that we are not just operating in our willpower, but we are operating in the willpower of God. Because if it's His will, it's going to happen. Right? And God so wants to transform us that he can actually accomplish our will. Because our will is his will. Amen? All right, that's the sermon. <laughs> that would be really funny. Uh, so I want to talk about, I'm going to simplify this tonight and just talk about three stages um, and at least that I've experienced and I think that scripture reveals uh, of understanding of how we can operate, how our will, our will can operate uh, in relationship with Jesus, with Jesus Christ. Sorry. Um, the first one is independence. And in independence, uh, the will is operating and it's as the one in control. And so we are, uh, quote, our, our own little G gods. Uh, I am my own God. I make my own decisions according to what I deem or esteem to be, quote-unquote, right. Um, this uh, began with sin. This is, this is the way of sin. This is the way of pride, is I will be the one in control. It is my will that will be accomplished. Eve and the garden, uh, what they're tempted with is, are you going to live according to the will of God, who is good, Or are you going to choose to forego his wisdom and counsel and say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I am going to trust my own ration, my own ability to discern what is good and what is bad, what is right, and I will decide how to live my life. That is an independent will. That is um, pride, selfishness. It all um, comes from this independent uh, operating system where we're choosing and deciding on what to do based on what we think is correct. Um, when we're operating out of independence, we may externally consult other people. We may have many different means of coming to what is quote unquote right, but ultimately that deep place, this place of conviction and my decision making faculty, my will is untouched. I will decide. Um, We can even use religion, we can use scripture at times to manipulate into forming what my will is. Uh, I remember uh, starting to experience the conflict within my will at a young age. I I don't remember the exact age, but I know I didn't have my driver's license yet because my mom was still driving me to the golf course eight times a day. Um, But I remember we were driving in a car, clearly we were on Eagle Road, and I, I... clearly remember hearing the whisper of God, which was, uh, Jordan, what if I didn't, I'm not calling you to be a professional golfer. And I recoiled when I heard this whisper and was like, how do I pick that whisper out of my head? I don't want to hear that anymore. And I remember I heard it one more time and I clearly remember in my head this, I said, I will be a professional golfer. I will be a professional golfer. And that shut that whisper out. And uh, that is uh, the that is very 
revealing of what an independent paradigm looks like. I'm the one in control. I will do what I'm going to do. And I may listen to you. I may consult. I may. But ultimately, I am the one in charge of my life. I am the one in control. Does this make sense? So I, I don't want to spend a ton of time there. Uh, humanity thing I want to talk about tonight. But that is, uh, you know, the state of uh, humanity in a fallen, depraved uh, state of sin. That is what it created, is an independent uh, race of individuals that are all operating as their own autonomous leaders, and we've created chaos because of that, because it's basically anarchy. We're all the ones in control of our own lives, and it has created a lot of disorder. Um, we, you know, so say we're here, we get saved, and we can get saved by Jesus and become a new creation in Christ, and still operate from an independence ecosystem, an independence paradigm. I'm still the one that's been making the decisions in my life. And so we have this experience with the love of God. And by faith, we accept into our heart and we enter into a covenant, right? And as we enter that covenant, God begins to do a work of sanctification, which is drawing us into surrender, um, where we then transition to the next stage, uh, which would be servanthood. And in servanthood, um, your aim is to become completely obedient to the master, right? No longer is when I'm in independence, I'm my own God. I do my own thing. Now I'm in servanthood and I'm learning to become completely yielded to I do what the master asked me to do, right? And this is no different than marriage uh, from what I've heard. <laughs> I always have to preface that, you know. You know, but, uh, you know, you talk enough, it's pretty easy to glean that you know, two people get married, their own backgrounds, their own families, their own culture uh, within themselves, and they make decisions your whole life a certain way. Then you get married, and how many uh, married couples in the room have had conflict over how to make decisions once you get married in a covenant? Come on, raise them high, loud and proud. <laughs> Come on, right? So when we enter into a covenantal relationship with Jesus... Right, Jesus has a way of making decisions, and we've also had a way of making decisions. And who's experienced clash with the Lord over how to make some decisions? Wait, oh wait, no, that's my will. And the Lord's like, yeah, but this is my will, right? And the thing with Jesus, it's not like being married because he's like, I don't really change. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah, you're going this way, right? Uh, so it's a, it's a very sanctifying relationship with this man, Christ Jesus. And he begins discipling us into surrender. And he says very boldly, unashamedly, you're going to give me your whole life. You're going to um, become obedient with your finances and your family and your relationships and your future. And your like he doesn't want the big decisions. He wants all your decisions, right? They are now submitted. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you are signing your name on a blank document, and he'll fill it in as your days unfold, right? You, uh, you know, anybody, uh, Matthew, uh, what is it? I have it written down here. 1624, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Right? You are you're forgoing your rights and your, your ability, your, your, your independent rights to make your own decisions, and you're becoming a servant. Right? And uh, in servitude, um, surrender and servanthood manifest as obedience. Uh, 1 John 5, 3 says, this is the love of God, that you obey his commands. Right? Obedience. We don't necessarily like this word. 
uh, especially when it comes to some of the things we have to be obedient to do, right? But uh, nonetheless, it's obedience. He's discipling us in obedience. And as we um, obey the Lord, right, and as we continue to build a track record of obedience, uh, we are actually gaining his trust, right? We're, we're growing up um, where he knows. I know what your response is going to be. You've proven yourself faithful. And uh, we're demonstrating that we trust him as well. And, and so the highest form of servanthood is that you are completely obedient to Jesus, Right, and I, there's some, there's a couple stories I can, I can name a few that kind of freak me out, um, but uh, of just just raw servanthood at its finest. And uh, I'm sure many have heard this story, but uh, my mom told me this years ago. It never stopped freaking me out. Every time I'm in an airport, I actually think about this. I'm like, oh Lord, how do I get away from other people? Because uh, I heard a story of Beth Moore uh, sitting at a, a airport terminal waiting to get her plane and there was a guy I uh, believe in a wheelchair with really really grimy grungy hair and just looked you know very like no hygiene and the Lord said I want you to go and comb his hair and you know wrestled no that can't be you you know and eventually just it was so compelling that she went and said can I can I comb your hair and if I remember the story correctly it's as she's combing he just starts breaking down in tears and he'd been very sick away from his wife for months, and he was on the, about to get on the flight to fly to see her for the first time, and he just started weeping under conviction of the love of God. And I'm sure that Beth felt very, very vulnerable in that moment, uh, kind of awkward, right? Uh, my, my pastor, uh, Pastor Tim at, at Eagle Naz, uh, years ago, uh, he, I think he shared it in front of the congregation, but he, it kind of freaked me out about saunas as well, but uh, he, was, <laughs> he was in a sauna at a gym, and I, I think him and the man next to him were both unclothed. Um, <laughs> and the Lord said, I, I want you to uh, pray for the dude next to you. And he was like, God, no. Like, <laughs> like like no like that that can't be you know and he ended up obeying after quite a persistent I think conversation with the Lord and uh, the the guy ended up I believe was like filing for divorce that day and ended up having a really powerful encounter with the love of Jesus and I was like I'm so thankful I obeyed you know but that's servanthood you don't get to choose what you obey and what you don't obey you don't get to have conversations you don't get to say why that doesn't make sense you simply obey Jesus at his word, right? And I think um, that we will all spend the rest of our lives growing in this posture and growing in this office of a servant of Christ because we all are learning to become more and more obedient. And I have found that it started with the big things, but the more difficult journey for me has been with the little things. Do this, text that person, call here. Like there are just some things that are non-negotiable in our relationship with Jesus. And when it comes to becoming a servant, you don't have many rights, you have none. You just, you just do what you're told, right? And so uh, we go from an independent paradigm, and then the Lord woos us with his love and then draws us into surrender and growing as completely faithful, obedient servants of Christ Jesus. Uh, the first 23 years of my life uh, were spent uh, transitioning from posture one to posture two. Uh, and when I was about 21 is when, uh, you know, I preached the sermon last year that a lot, uh, probably the most feedback we've ever got about free of shame. I talked about shame. 
very vulnerably. Uh, and it was when I had to come to a very deep realization that out of operating of an independence mindset, my will uh, being done, uh, I had used scripture, I had used spirituality, I had manipulated people and hurt people trying to uh, meet my own needs, operating as the one in control of my life. I saw the destruction that that caused of shame and unworthiness and the whole ecosystem, and it broke me. And from that place, uh, this fear of the Lord consumed me, which was God. I never want to do that again. I never want to have my hands, you know, trying to control the presence again. I never, I, I don't want to, to do that again. And, and my cry literally was, Lord, like your will be done in my life. I want to do what you want, how you want, when you want, whenever you want. Like God, it's just, uh, let me become a servant. And it, it that kind of was a turning point in my life and it became okay like no get me away I don't trust me um I want to do what you asked me to do and he began discipling me I had to clean up a lot of messes I had to humble myself there's a lot of extremely uncomfortable obedience that he asked me to and it was very fruitful for me I I, I found joy in just being obedient and uh, as I journeyed, it was a couple years, and then I graduated college, I was in a season, all of a sudden there was a lot of uh, decisions being in front of me, and it had been this really good couple years. I'm just obeying what Jesus tells me to do, and then all of a sudden it was like, boom. I hit a, a divine dilemma, which was I had decisions to make, and Jesus wouldn't tell me what to do. And it was very, very uncomfortable. I was like, you know, the more I prayed, the, like, it's like the louder the crickets were. <laughs> Anybody had that? It's like the more I fasted, the louder the crickets were. And I could not find anything that gave me any sort of confidence that I could move forward into the next season and the places God was calling me in the confidence knowing that I was with him and in his will. Has anybody experienced this before? It's like, Lord, I want to do your will. I don't want to manipulate. I don't want to do things for myself and you're not speaking, so I do not know what to do right now. And it was a crisis for me, and I now recognize it was because I was lacking revelation. Uh, in the process of surrender, right, as I gave my life to Jesus, I, I, uh, I was showing him that I trusted him. And as I would obey him, I was showing him, I trust you, Jesus. As I began to obey him and obey his commands, I began to earn his trust. God began to trust me. But what I found the dilemma was is now I had silence. I didn't know what to do, and I didn't trust myself. And I found that in this place, Jesus, he's kept saying, the only thing I could hear him say is, what do you want to do? He said, whatever you want to do. But what do you want to do, Jordan? And I could not find an answer to that question because I didn't trust me. And so I was lacking revelation of friendship. And so you should be at John 15, and I'm going to read a few verses here, uh, starting uh, verse 14 and 15 of John chapter 15. So Jesus says this, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. All right, this is in the context of three years of his disciples 
following Jesus, growing in their office as servants, right? They were learning obedience. They were given many opportunities to show that they loved Jesus, and they did. Uh, there was many times they could have ran with the crowds. They could have criticized. They could have, you know, they'd made tough decisions. They'd sacrificed many things. I'm sure very uncomfortable these three years. And Jesus is giving them a very radical upgrade in this statement. He is saying, I don't call you servants anymore only, but now I'm calling you friends, right? And there's this foundation that is laid in servanthood that actually positions us to enter into a very dynamic place of relationship with God, which is friendship, right? And servants, right, the highest form of servanthood is I'm completely obedient to the master, I don't, I just, I just receive commands and I act on them. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 now you're not just servants. Servants only receive commands. Now I call you friends. You can have conversation with me. This is amazing. Right? This is incredible permission that God is giving us. In this season, as I'm wrestling over this crisis, I had a revelation from a very simple story that has become very profound for me in my life. It's not my own. I stole it. It's my mom's, but it's how the Lord spoke to me. And uh, when, uh, you know, growing up, you know, the ice cream man, anybody know the ice cream man? There's only one. He's in every neighborhood. He's one name, ice cream man. Uh, you know, the music starts playing. Me and my brother, we had a lot of fun chasing the ice cream man like our whole life. I remember vividly one time, it was when we still lived in Tucson, running down the hot sidewalk and we were singing uh, Celine Dion, Stop in the Name of Love. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't do it for you tonight. But, uh, you know, that's how passionate we were about this ice cream. Now, I wasn't here in this story, uh, but my, my, you know, the ice cream man came, same routine. Where's the money? You know, so there's, mom, mom, can I get a dollar? Can I get a dollar? And my mom said, no, if you want the money, you got to find it. So, you know, we had like, everybody got the junk drawer in their kitchen, you know, plying, he's plowing around, he finds a dollar fifty, running out the door and he looks at my mom and says, hey, do you want one? She says, yeah, if you can get one, get me a rocket pop if you can. If you, a bomb pop, if you got enough. <laughs> bomb pop. Very particular. The bomb pop, okay. We got a diva in the room. <laughs> oh, so he goes running out. He comes back a few minutes later, hands her the bomb pop. She's reading a book, says thank you. She keeps reading it and looks up a couple minutes later, and he's sitting across the room with a beaming smile, and she goes, Riley, where's your ice cream? So I only had enough for one. And she's like, and you got it for me? He said, yeah. And she immediately grabbed her purse, said, where's my wallet? Got him a $5 bill and said, go get whatever you want. And he's probably a happy-go-lucky running down the street. Lord speaks to me out of this and all of a sudden just had a revelation of that story. And I just want you to imagine, you know, if my brother would have been running out the door and my mom would have said, hey, take that $1.50 and instead of getting one for yourself, get one for me. He would have been faced with a difficult dilemma, which was I can now either obey or I can disobey, right? So binary, only two decisions you can make in that situation. He could have disobeyed, got the ice cream for himself, ate it and said I didn't have enough, whatever. He could have obeyed, tough obedience, especially for an eight-year-old. 
And, uh, you know, it would have been like, it would have been, wow, Riley, thank you. You're obedient. But why that story is so moving is because my mom said nothing. But he chose out of his own freedom to do something that would bless my mother. When we operate as servants, the highest thing, the best thing we can do is become obedient. Like, I can obey Jesus. And, and sometimes there is great sacrifice in the obedience that he calls me to. But what really moves the heart of Jesus is when we actually use the freedom we've been given to enter into a whole new realm of relationship, which is, I chose to do it not because you told me to, but because I wanted to, and I imagined it myself with you in mind, right? So in independence, I'm my own God. I do what I want. In servanthood, I do what the master tells me to do. In friendship, I now have the potential to make decisions with love as my inspiration, and I can imagine and create in the midst of my life and my world and do things that are just giving that ice cream to Jesus saying, I, I do it with you in mind. Not because you told me to, but because I wanted to. Not because I had to, but because love is compelling me. I just want to bless you with my life. It's a whole new realm, right? So what I found as I got into dilemma, it was like, Lord, what, what do I do? I just want to do what you tell me to do. And he's saying, well, what do you want to do? And I realized he was actually creating capacity for me to grow up as a son, as a friend of God and start to make decisions for myself and begin to journey, right, like risking perhaps even in, in expressing my heart for Jesus. And I've learned to recognize that when the voice of God is silent and I feel peace about multiple decisions, he's giving me the ability to decide. And he's actually communicating to me, I trust you. And I've found that's the hardest thing to receive. I've found that it can be scary to obey Jesus and sacrifice, but it's much scarier for me to step out in faith that my father's blessing me. And I believe it is in this posture that we actually can begin to develop into our identity as sons and daughters. Right? We, we, it's, 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 it's a greater revelation than servanthood, but it requires risk. Right? It requires I make decisions with the Father in mind. You know, but, I, but you know, I, could I fail? Could I step out? Could this be wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I've heard it said, uh, Craig Rochelle, uh, pastor of Life Church TV, amazing leader, has a podcast on leadership. I'd recommend it uh, to anybody wanting to grow as a leader. But he says, uh, years ago, I, I heard him you know, say that uh, for someone to truly succeed, they have to have the ability to fail. God is an empowering father. Right? In servanthood, there's really no risk because I'm just doing what I was told to do. Right? But when we get into our, our, our identity as sons and daughters, we can risk. And God has actually laid down his life. Right? He's, he has an inheritance that we didn't have to work for, that he's given us the ability to step out and decide and make confident decisions and to pioneer. Right? The world operates out of independence. And look what culture has pioneered. You know, look at what we've created as humanity, actually separated from the wisdom of God. But human beings have stepped into this ability. I'm going to risk. Right? I'm going to step out. I'm going to start that business. I'm going I'm to ask that girl on a date. 
I'm going to propose to that girl and ask her to be my bride. We're going to have children. We're going to, like, we're going to, I'm going to, you know, take out that, like, there's risk after risk after risk in life. And I feel like secular cultures embodied this. They've grabbed this. They've taken this by the horn. And they've pioneered industries and businesses. You look at men like Elon Musk. Like, it's, it's mind-blowing what people are doing. Right? But we've almost forfeited this in Christianity, and I feel like our birthright has been stolen in some regard because it's like we're, we're afraid of failing. So I'm just going to stay in the comfort zone of servanthood, and I'm never going to actually branch out through risking, through stepping out to see how far, how much permission do I truly have. Right? When you operate as a servant, you're actually living that I have a red light until I have green. And that's true. That's how servants are. Servants aren't entrepreneurs. <laughs> An entrepreneurial servant's in prison. <laughs> so why are you doing that? You only have permission to do what you're told to do. Right? Servants don't think for themselves. Servants don't, don't have permission to dream. They can't have ambition. Sons can because they're raised in the castle. They, they know the Father's heart, not just his commands. Right? We've been given access to conversations. We can commune with him. We can speak with him. We can bring ideas to him. We can begin to prod. And, and God will sometimes say, yeah, step out. He's told this to me. And I'm like, well, am I going to fail? He said, just step out. You know, it's like Peter's like, are, are you going to catch me? He just says, come. But Jesus knew he was going to stumble. We, we can't let the fear of failure keep us from stepping out, right? We, we have to begin to exercise and recognize that even if we fail, he picks us up. He's teaching us. He is a father that has a family business called bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And we're his co-laborers. And it's, it's risk that opens doors. Like you can't, you can't read the scriptures and read risk out of them. Paul was risking his life every city he went to. And the only promise he had was persecutions are waiting for you there. Like, right? We're sitting there like, God, tell me to go. Because that way if you tell me to go, I know that I'll be safe. <laughs> right? That's, our, that's how we think. Paul's like, I'm going, man. But you live with green light waiting for a red when you're a son. And you see, there's time when the, the, uh, he has a dream. Don't go there. Okay, I won't go there. Right? But there's paradigm. There's permission. There's freedom in our relationship with God once we have entered into this promotion of friendship. Right? But that promotion actually rests upon servanthood. You are not poised. You do not have a heart posture to hear God and branching out and stepping out until you have cultivated a very consistent track record that when he speaks, I will obey. Are you following me? So we have this dual relationship that we're constantly growing in. And it's beautiful. Right? I believe that once we've learned to abide this place and step into our identity of friendship, which what is friendship? It's, it's the goal of parenting. Right? I have a kid. They just take, take, take. Then all of a sudden they start wanting to do their own stuff. They got their own will. Then they get teenagers. It's like surrender, 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 right? Like, but the whole goal, I'm teaching them obedience. We're raising them up so that one day we'll be equals. We'll be friends, right? God wants friends. 
He wants his kids. Not that we're equals with him, but you, I think you understand what I'm saying. It's a mature relationship where we, we have conversation with God and can dream together. How are we going to build the business there? How are we going to build the kingdom there? How, we, how, what you, how, do we, how we do this? And it's like instead of using God as a psychological crutch to make sure that I'm very safe in everything that I do, it's like God's like that father going, get out there. Come on. Come on. Go. And if you fall, I'm going to pick you up. And if you fall again, I'm going to pick you up. Isn't that good? That's the God we serve. This is the posture of heart that, that our will actually comes into its full potential. Right, where that raw, powerful force of the human will comes into synergistic union with the will of God. And we partner together and we become an unstoppable force. That's amazing. This is where the true, raw, apostolic, entrepreneurial spirit can be you know, um, demonstrated from. Where it can be released. Where you can create. Where you can step out. Why? Because we're, God's, not, God's not waiting He's, we're waiting sometimes for God to tell us the dream on our life. And God's like, that dream's in you. I, I literally wove it into the depths of your DNA. Right? And it's like, you know, how many parents in here, like, you don't want to tell your kids. You don't want to just say, hey, this is what you're going to do. We want them to find them for themselves. That's God. He's like, I, I just, I'm creating space because I want you to get it. I want you to own it. I want you to step into the fullness. I want you to come to me and say, God, this is what I'm dreaming. Permission. Oh, green light. He said, go, make disciples of nations. Go, green light. He give you a pause sometimes. He'll give you a red sometimes. How, and how do you know to do that? Because you've already cultivated a posture of surrender. It's amazing. So in sharing this tonight, I think we will all find ourselves, wow, areas of independence. Okay, I'm growing in surrender. And wow, I'm learning to step out and embrace risk and, and be a son. Use this permission, this freedom that God's given me so that we can be the little chubby redheads sitting across. <laughs> I gave my ice cream to Jesus. Because once we begin to operate in that place, we'll, you'll see favor will increase on your life because he can't help himself. Where's my purse? Where's my wallet? Here, here. <laughs> Go. I'm with you. I'm for you. You've blessed him. We have the ability to move and bless the heart of God. But it's not as servants. It's as children. We can captivate the heart of our father. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to have you stand up, and I'm just going to pray. And then we'll uh, transition to update. Lord, I thank you for the abundant grace that you have given us in Jesus Christ. Jesus, I thank you for your love that you came in the spirit of adoption, cries out on our behalf, sons and daughters. Lord, that you have uh, broken the ceiling and the barriers 
of even what a servant relationship can look like. And you call us something so much greater. You call us sons and daughters. I thank you for the permission and the freedom that we have in you to make decisions with the Father in mind, that we can actually move your heart. I thank you, God, for your silence at times, how you've created space for us to grow up into our own identity and your unwavering commitment to empowering us to rise up into the fullness of our identity as sons and daughters. Lord, it is a privilege beyond description to be your friend. And we just thank you for that tonight. And I ask, God, that you will continue to deepen us in surrender, God, that we will become obedient, faithful servants, Lord, and that from that place, we will continue to venture further and further into this revelation of what exactly does it mean to be your son, to be your daughter. We love you, Jesus, and we honor you in your mighty name. Amen. 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 All right, well, I'm going to invite Johnny Glisson up. Uh, we had a, a wonderful meeting. If you can put the slide, George, with the building picture. Some of you haven't seen it. Um, so this is the building that we're looking at. Uh, as you can see, freeway right there in Boise is in heaven. Amen. Uh, so and this, uh, all this land is, is uh, available, so it's kind of a cool spot, cool property. And uh, that'd be the sanctuary on the right and then the Whatever, I'm not going to describe it. You can look at it some other time. But we had an amazing night last night. Um, truly, the glory of God uh, invaded that place. That, we didn't, don't tell anybody, but we didn't tell the owner we, we were doing that. <laughs> I asked John, too, and he said, I forgot. So I was like, well, easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission. But we had a church service there last night, and it was awesome. Um, yeah. So I asked Johnny if he would come and, and just share. We wanted to make sure everyone had at least some uh, a short rendition of what took place and then just an update on what God's doing because uh, it's significant. So, All right, yeah. Um, if you were here last week, Jordan talked about this building and, and the journey that we've been on uh, with looking for a place because we're running out of space here. And we last week went to three services, and um, so we just continue to fill this place out, and so we're needing another location. And this came on the market maybe about well, a few weeks ago, and we uh, got into contract with them about two weeks ago. And uh, as Jordan was talking about that last Sunday, I've never been in a church service where he's where I've heard someone say, "Hey, we need six hundred thousand dollars," and then the crowd cheered like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've never heard of that. Uh, th that's a different group of people. Um, <laughs> So anyways, the, the detail is about, well, I'll get to the details in a minute, but as Jordan said, this is about a 14,000 square foot building. Um, the, the room on the right is the sanctuary. The room on the left is essentially what youth and um, children would be, as well as toddlers. Um, so it could, it could house up to about 750 people. Um, and we're running probably about 500 people right now. Uh, so it's a great space. We're super excited about it. And last night, we had 140 people show up and just wanted to kind of see what the vision of this was. So thank you for those who uh, were able to make it, and I know plenty of people wanted to make it. Um, so the details about it, I guess I'll just share from a financial perspective, uh, is that it was a, it's a $1.5 million purchase. We have about, uh, with tenant improvements, um, as well as um, just equipment, because we're going to need things like chairs and lighting and sound and all that kind of stuff. The total investment is $2 million. And the bank requires that we put 30% down, which is uh, $600,000. So that sounds like a lot. 
Um, but that, you know, this church has been a grassroots movement from the beginning, and, um, and this is going to be a grassroots effort for something like this to get pulled off. Um, you know, and, and I said last night that, um, you know, I heard it said, you know, if, if everybody gave $1,000, we'd be at, you know, $500,000, right? So, and some people can give that amount, some people can give more, and some people can't give that much. But we're just inviting you to partner with us in this journey and sewing into what we believe God is doing um, in this community and um, what we're doing uh, globally as well. So that's our, that's our, uh, that's our invitation to you, and we'll, we'll give you more opportunities to, to, to be involved with that. So uh, last night, we did, what we did was we, we asked people, if you're, going to, um, if you're willing to sow into this, we want you to pledge an amount. And we actually have a deadline for this. This is a one-time gift. This isn't a, a continuing tithing throughout the year. Uh, we have to have a down payment. And so our deadline for that is May 13th, not very far away, very short. Uh, <laughs> sounds kind of crazy, but I believe God's going to do it. So um, this has been an extremely vulnerable thing for Jordan, myself, the staff, everybody involved, and really kind of taking a step out there with no backup plan. So, um, so that's what we were asking. So we, what we did was we actually had pledge cards There'll be pledge cards, I think, in your seats if you're willing, if your desire is to, to be part of this. We don't want a pressured situation. Um, we only want people who feel like God is laying it out on their heart to give, to be part of this. Uh, that's been the DNA of this church from the beginning. So, with that said, we have a total for pledges from last night. And so, uh, Jordan, if you could throw up the slide. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I mean, that's incredible. And, you know, there are just people, we just know we're just sacrificing and just saying, like, maybe I can't do much, but I can do this. And um, everybody was stretching in their own different way. 253000 in one night is incredible. Like... <laughs> How, how does something like this even happen? I have no idea, except for God. Um, but we still have a ways to go, obviously, about $347,000. We're asking, and that's where you guys, if you're desiring to be part, um, that's what we're asking. We're asking um, if you, you know, some of you need to pray about it. You need to go back and, and talk to a spouse about this and whatnot. And, and we totally want you to do that. If, if God has placed on your heart, um, a number that you're willing to pledge and give to us by May 13th. Um, we ask that you fill out that form that's in the front of your chairs. Um, and just let us know because, um, you know, our hearts are, <laughs> are beating pretty quickly with this, this faith journey. And uh, so if you could let us know if you're interested in partnering with us sooner than later. So as I said last night, so Jordan and I don't have a heart attack. That would be great. Um, so I'll turn it over to Jordan. Thanks, Tony. Uh, we'll close the night just in this way. Um, I believe that this is a, a really sacred journey that we're on as a community. And, and last night, true, I was weeping, undone, um, just in the presence of God as uh, everyone was worshiping on their face for probably an hour, hour and a half before we finally got out of there. I was like, I've never been a part of anything like that. And uh, 
it was just a, I looked around and it was just like, wow, Lord, like we're 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 doing this together. And I, I talked last night. Awesome and liberifice, uh, I believe, is God's gift to us. And so I really, it's been awesome and liberating for me where I feel like I get to be a spokesman for God, inviting you all as this community to receive a gift from his heart, which is sacrifice. And I say a gift because he's asking for something perhaps that will be painful and costly. And I've talked to many of you that it's like, this is gonna, this is gonna hurt, but I, I want to give. And I believe that as we sacrifice, it actually creates capacity in us to receive what we've truly been desiring, which is more of Jesus Christ. And so uh, there's been many already, and uh, we want everyone to have an opportunity to take ownership of this journey and to really seek the Lord. What does it look like for me uh, to sow and covenant my heart into this journey and into the creation um, and of this miracle with God? Uh, David said, I will not build an altar to the Lord that does not cost me. And I think that as Lord, the Lord's um, establishing us as a community, it's going to cost us all, but it's because he's forming an altar for his name, a sanctuary that will be um, established on sacrifice, the sacrifice of a people. And the fire of God falls upon sacrifice. And so I believe this is a sacred, holy time. And uh, yeah, I do ask you to search your heart and ask the Lord, what does it look like for me to put my best and to sow my heart into this? And, uh, and we would love uh, for you to partner with us. Uh, you have uh, little pledge sheets in the back. Um, you can also write checks. Um, important note, um, we will be holding all checks through this process. So if uh, the money does not come in and this does not go through, you'll be getting uh, your checks back. Uh, we will not be check, um, cashing those. So this is uh, the vision. This is plan A. And either God's going to do it or he's not. And that will not cost you <laughs> if it doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah, you, we're just going to. Oh, and if you could please do check and not push pay. Push pay actually takes uh, 3% out. So we're going to need that 3%. <laughs> uh, if you have, and, and please write the memo building so that way we will hold it and won't cash that. So thank you for your faith. Thank you for partnering. And I believe God's doing a miracle in our midst. So if you can do 250000 in one night, then, uh, hey, we got plenty of time. <laughs> So uh, there'll be buckets at the doors as you're leaving. Um, we're going to invite prayer team up right now. So if you're on ministry team tonight, um, and it will just be a soft close where you're, um, you're able to come receive ministry. Um, if you want to pray and ask the Lord, ask your spouse, what does this look like for us to sow into this? Uh, this space is yours, and you can uh, drop off your pledge sheets or, or checks on the way out. So I think we're up here. Uh, from ministry team and uh, be blessed. We'll put music on, we'll dim the lights and we just ask that as you leave, you can leave silently. So be blessed. <laughs>